The Down in a Heap podcast from Rob C. is one of the only podcasts that I can stand to listen to. I'm Froth from the Thought Eater podcast, and I approve this message. Boom, 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 in old school games, life is cheap. Don't be a dope, bring your pole oil and rope and try not to go down in a heap. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down and Eat podcast. I'm your host Rob, podcasting to you live from my rumpus room in beautiful northeast Minneapolis. We're getting towards the cusp of OSR October, my kind of kooky idea to just talk about uh, OSR-related things every day in October. And whether or not I'll actually be able to do that, (laughs) drop a podcast every day, is up in the air. I'm going to make my best effort to do that. This is almost more like a personal challenge to myself than anything else. But it is also an effort just to try and, uh, I don't know, expound on what I, my idea of what the OSR is, uh, highlight some of the things that I think are really cool about the movement, about the idea, the concept, the products that are put out. And, um, and just um, hopefully put it in a in the light that I find it to be, which is it's a, a group of people that are enthusiasts uh, about a particular game style and game sets of rules, uh, like a family of games. And I have found it to be a very welcoming group eager to share their ideas and opinions because, you know, these are all basically just play preferences, right? And I'm just another dumbass out there talking about what I like and don't like in games. And, um, you know, I think, I think the trap that some of the critics of the OSR fall into is that they think that this is some kind of like your first, that it's some kind of body with, some kind of authority at its head that there's some kind of czar of the OSR or committee that can somehow punish 'er ne'er-do-wells or kick people out of the movement or something, which is ridiculous. This isn't a corporation with uh, a CEO or something. It's not like you can complain to Watsi about some product that they released. And if you get enough people that, uh, that don't like it, that they might do something about it and actually, you know, have some kind of repercussions for someone because this isn't, this would be like, uh, petitioning all the heavy metal artists out there to clean up their act, you know, to, (laughs) to deal with this, this one person that's homophobic or racist or whatever in there, uh, or just spout some kind of political opinion that isn't popular and kick them out of the heavy metal fraternity. You can't do that. And (laughs) even though there's a metal god, Rob Halford doesn't have that power. Well, maybe he does have that power. I don't know. Um, He is a metal god. (laughs) But, and the the other is just um, assuming that, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. No, I haven't been drinking this morning. Mm. 
all right, I've got it. The other thing that I've, I find just kind of to be a head scratcher is this whole idea of guilt by association that a lot of the critics will level to that. If you, if there's anyone that, uh, um, they find disagreeable or, or, uh, deplorable or whatever, uh, within a movement that the whole movement is tarnished by it or another guilt by association. If you, Oh, heaven forbid that you like an adventure that someone who they don't like wrote, um, they can't separate the, the work from the person and somehow think you should vet every creator, uh, you know, just delve into their past and their online profiles and find everything about them and, and make sure that everyone ha passes some purity test or something. And, um, that's just, it's not only unrealistic, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of dumb, I think. Um, you don't have to liking like a, a, a module that someone makes or a random table that someone puts out on their blog or a map that someone makes doesn't mean that you're endorsing every thought that that person has ever had or expressed in their life. <laughs> you don't have to, uh, I mean, if that's the case, what are you going to go around in the, in the park too? And, and nose into everyone's business. Oh, th that book you're reading, do you know that author said something unsavory at some point? Or that, hey, that, hey, buddy, that beer you're drinking, you know, that brewer uh, is a misogynist. <laughs> it's just, I just find it, uh, I don't know. We're talking about games, and I'm going to be talking about OSR games and OSR products I like. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's just what OSR October is going to be about. The games I play, the games I like in this family of games. So do I have some kind of outline what I'm going to do? I do. I kind of sketched it out in the back of the receipt yesterday morning and it's still pretty nebulous but uh here's what i got hmm. i hope you've got an alternate escape route all right here's what i got day one october 1st i'm gonna just lay out what i think the osr is to me what it means what the movement is what games it encompasses uh, mindset whatever um and i'm gonna try and be brief in all these episodes for the most part, unless I do some uh, tandem casts with people, they're gonna they're gonna in general be fifteen minutes, um, maybe half hour, uh, and the, if there are you know a lot of call ins, that could increase the time too. But uh, I'm not gonna go super long because otherwise, by the end of this, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like uh, Jerry Lewis at the end of the telethons. Remember those? He'd just be like a, a bundle of nerves uh, after smoking about 15 packs of uh, cigarettes and probably downing about five pots of coffee. Be a sweaty mess. Uh, even his slick back hair would be kind of <laughs> starting to come unravel his ties. All, all disheveled and stuff. And uh, that's how I'm going to be at the end of this thing if I podcast every day. I'm going to be a mess. 
So day two, October 2nd, is a Sunday. And that and every other Sunday in OSR October, I'm going to be doing Supplement Sunday. Talking about some of the some of my favorite OSR supplements. Every Monday will be Monster Monday. And this will be highlighting some of my favorite monsters and twists on classic D&D monsters. Tuesdays in OSR October will be Tidbit Tuesdays. And these will be, I don't know, little things I like, random tables maybe um, from various sources. Or maybe it will be uh, a little mechanic that can spice up your game. Some little tidbit. Wednesday is going to be, well, I, <laughs> I don't know what, uh, an alliteration for Wednesday. I couldn't come up with anything. Wondrous Wednesday. I suppose I could do, like, wondrous items or something, magic items and stuff. But right now, I was actually thinking of Wednesday Adventures, talking about some of my favorite classic adventures, OSR adventures, uh, so both from the TSR era and the newer things that have come out that I've run across that I've really enjoyed. Thursdays in OSR October will be Thursday Theories, talking about various mindsets and philosophies and uh, game theory, I guess, in the OSR. And I just realized a bunch of my Thundar <laughs> sound bites have disappeared from my library. Anchor! All right, well, Fridays in OSR October will be uh, Friend Fridays. If I can line up someone to do a tandem show with me, alternatively, it will be Friday Frivolity. <laughs> It'll just be some kind of grab bag thing. And right now, aside from the 1st of October, all the other Saturdays in October are going to be devoted to call-ins. So if you have comments on any of the topics, um, thoughts that I've expressed for OSR October for that week, your calls will show up on Saturdays. And I know it seems, well, every, most people have lost the capability of using the message feature and anchor through the app. And I've only gotten a couple calls, which I'll get to in a moment here. So I don't know if, uh, yeah, I don't know how many calls I'm going to get anymore. But you can send uh, any kind of uh, sound attachment, voice file, whatever you want to call it, to me via Discord. Or you can email it to me at bigbalboni at gmail.com. That's B-I-G-B-A-L-B-O-N-I at gmail.com I'm not going to set up another I thought about setting up a 
specific one for the podcast again, and I don't know. I mean, let me know if that that would be better, but I had one before, lost the password and lost the capability to get into it or whatever, and uh, and I just don't want to juggle another email account, especially when the old one, I think I'd, I got just a couple of messages too, so it seemed kind of pointless. And I'll still look into getting like SpeakPipe, but for now, the best way to do it is, I suppose, through the web browser, the Anchor web browser, or to send a audio file to me through Discord, especially the Audio Dungeon Discord, but I'm also on the Clericsware Ringmail Discord, the Hobbs and Friends Discord, uh, Frog God. I don't really look at too many of outside Audio Dungeon and Clericsware Ringmail, to be honest, anymore, but that or to email it to me. So, uh, but yeah, that's sad. That's the plan for Saturdays. And I guess that kind of wraps up my outline for what uh, OSR October is. If I don't get calls, I guess Saturday will be another grab bag kind of thing. And the other thing I'm going to probably be doing throughout the month is have a segment on most shows where I answer a question from uh, Jeff Reince's 20 campaign questions, uh, one of the old blogs, the OSR blogs, Jeff's game blog, uh, one of his more popular entries was 20 questions to answer for your campaign setting. And I'll do one of those on many episodes, a segment uh, detailing my Lost Plains campaign setting. All right, now let's uh, hit the old mailbag and see what Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast has called in about. I'm Jason here. Just want to say I've about halfway through your episode, maybe I, you just finished answering Minion's call, but I wanted to respond before I forgot what I was going to say. You talk about the, you know, the issues of leveling up monsters to keep pace with the characters, at which point it's a never-ending arm race. And I believe that's a really important point. As the characters get more powerful, you can introduce some more powerful monsters, right? You know, you have to hit a certain power level before you can tackle certain things. But those low-level threats still need to be there. Bandits that they encounter on the road shouldn't all of a sudden be tougher bandits. They're the same one-hit-die bandits they were before, you, you know, and skeletons and zombies and orcs and goblins and all these things that are the common threats of the world should still be the common threats of the world, and the, and your fifth-level party should be facing the same kind of threats that your low-level parties face, your first-level party faces, but the difference is the fifth-level party is every now and then going to go and search out more dangerous creatures because they're the only ones who can handle that because they're higher level, right? But the standard foes they face, and when they get jumped in the alleyway, they don't get jumped by tougher thieves. It's the same idiot thugs that jump them, you know? And this is shown by the mechanics. They want you to do this. The, the whole mechanic of a fighter being able to hit a number of one-hit-die or less creatures or creatures of less than one-hit-die, depending on the addition, equal to their level get that many attacks is because they expect you to fight those kind of opponents. If you only ever throw three hit die 
monsters and up against fighters third level, well, you, you know, if your hit, monster hit dies go up to party level, then you're nerfing your fighters because you're not ever letting them fight hordes, and you're not a, never letting them get that. You're not letting that fifth level fighter take five whacks at little goblins, right? So I, I think that's really important to keep in mind. As far as OSR October, I will be convalescing, provided I don't die. So I'm very happy to come on and record with you anytime. I can maybe help you out with that, with the technology part. And so we'll see. As far as topics, I don't know, man. <laughs> I hope you expanded enough to talk about Stormbringer. I'd love to hear you talk about some other older games in October, like Stormbringer and... I don't know what else, but, we, you know, it's up to you what you want to talk about. But I, I think that'd be interesting. Okay, let me listen to the rest of the show. Hey, thanks for the call, Jason. Yeah, I, I totally agree with the idea of um, not escalating all the, the threats that the characters get uh, in lockstep with the character level. Or you do get uh, basically the same effect. Uh, if third level... Characters are always fighting two, three, four hit die monsters, and that goes up a hit die every time they go up a level. It's just uh, you're just on the conveyor belt. And you make a good point about uh, the whole mechanic in AD and D about uh, fighters getting multiple attacks against one hit die or less creatures. If uh, the intent wasn't to fight uh, goblins with fifth level fighters, that ability would be kind of yeah wasted. Uh, yeah, OSR October. I, I am going to talk about the games I think are OSR. And um, even though uh, Stormbringer is an old school game, I don't think it fits into my OSR. So I'm probably not going to, unless I completely run out of topics and stuff, I don't think uh, I'm going to talk about other old school games in OSR October. Uh, I suppose it's possible I could maybe just do one. Um, day where I talk about my some of my favorite other favorite old school games aside from uh, D&D and D&D inspired games um, but yeah that's that's the plan for now okay I gotta call in here after Rich's call but first I want to back up Hobbs' suggestion of low fantasy gaming it's an interesting game it's it's not really low fantasy it's more like 5e to be honest but it's like a better version of 5e, in my opinion. I, I actually quite like low fantasy gaming, but it, there's nothing low fantasy about it. At least not rules as written. But it does have interesting rules for criticals. And, you know, as you go up in level, you might, you know, do a critical on an 18 to 20 or 17 to 20, stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of a neat game. Is Now, to address Rich's call, you are right. Troika is based on advanced fighting fantasy. I think... And, and Troika does not, it does not acknowledge advanced fighting fantasy, which I think is a, a I, I think, I don't know, we talked about this back in the day, and this was talked on the Purple Worm, the first iteration of the Purple Worm. I think the issue was the creator's lawyer told him not to mention advanced fighting fantasy, so that's why it's not credited in the rules, which is crap. You, you know, if you're going to rip a game off and copy 99% of its mechanics, then acknowledge the game. You know, I, I, I've i got a problem with that. That's an issue I have with Troika, without a doubt. But that said, Troika's a pretty neat game. I really like the initiative system, which I'm sure would drive you bonkers, but you put shits in a bag, 
and then you have like a chit in there to end the combat, and then so like faster creatures might have two chits in the bag, something like that. I think all the named characters like PCs get two chits in the bag. Some creatures only get one chit in the bag. But anyway, and then you draw chits, so you might get to go, you might not get to go, you might get to go twice in a row. It's I I like that, but it, it's kind of random for a lot of people. But back to the chart. I'm pretty sure Troika has a damage chart. I haven't looked at it for a couple years, but I'm pretty sure I TJ Drennan ran a game that I played in a while back, but it, like say it was a year ago, year and a half ago. But I think there's a damage chart that you have to check when you when you when you get to get damage at Troika after you attack. I think you have to consult a chart to see the result of that attack. There's some kind of chart like that. So so I, that may be what Rich is thinking of. I don't know. Okay, let me get back to the show. I I am a known um, defender of charts. I like charts. Oh, DCC. Yes, the Purple Sorcerer app is the way to play DCC. If if you even if you don't have DCC, download the Purple Sorcerer app on your phone. It's free. Check it out. It's awesome. It is great. It has the critical charts, the fumble charts, all the spells. Um, it's got everything you need on there. It's got die roller built into it. It it really does make the game much, much faster and easier to play. Okay, let me get back to the show. Hey, thanks for expounding on the Troika game. I do have that uh, PDF, and I think I made a copy of it, too, uh, at some point. I actually thought the initiative system was uh, was fascinating. I, I tried to employ it in, uh, like, the beta pike shot and spell game and we played a session or two with with that and it it was it was kind of weird but it could be fun um i don't know how you do it in a virtual setting like playing online how uh, how you do that because you pull a chit out of i mean you could just like randomize it with a die roller but once a person has gone, if they only had one chit in the bag, you'd have to like delete that number from the randomizer uh, or one, like if they had two chits in the bag, uh, delete one. And I, yeah, I don't know how you do that online. So in person, obviously it works, but hmm, I don't know. And yeah, I, I mean, I like charts too. I just, I think at some point, you can get a little bit overwhelmed by them. And anytime you add elements to the game, whatever those elements are, if it's an additional die roll, if it's a, an additional option to consider, it can conceivably slow down play, which, I mean, hey, that, that's not always a bad thing. And it, um, all you know, like any game mechanic, it's all based on taste of what some people like and some don't like and some some groups might be able to cope with having their characters have all these different powers and some might not so yeah but jason has some more things to say and he's going to bring up the palladium games okay last call you so your last idea after my call about degrading armor you talked about playing with the armor system that sounds a lot like what Palladium does. We all know Palladium is a much better system than any kind of system TSR came out with for D&D. Palladium's just, you know, the best role-playing system out there, without a doubt. Palladium Fantasy and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Ninjas and Super Spies and 
riffs and all that. So in Palladium, basically a four, all you need is a four to hit. And then you have an armor class. And so the way it works is say the, say your armor has an AC of 10. Well, a four hits. If you roll between a four and a 10, the armor blocks the hit and the armor has a certain amount of structural points. So it'll absorb damage up until you totally destroy the armor. So, but if you roll over a 10, you know, 10 to 20, then you've, then you manage to find a chink in the armor and you actually do damage to the person. So Palladium kind of does what you want it to do. Now there are parries and dodges in Palladium. So you have active defenses you can, you call on and those parries and dodges count against your number of attacks, which is kind of nice. But, and some characters get automatic parries, dodges. That, that's not important. What's important is if you have parry or dodge, it's a little bit different, but for the most part, in Palladium, a four automatically hits, so you don't have a whole lot of whiffing. And or if they're using parries and dodges to block blows, they're not attacking as much because they're having to use their actions to block. And then armor, even if the armor blocks the attack, you degrade the armor. And if you're all over the armor's value, then you avoid the armor and hurt the person. So it's a pretty great system. Uh, so that you know, maybe look at Palladium. Just pick up an old copy of. Palladium Fantasy, you know, the best D20 fantasy game out there, and um, check it out. And if you can't tell there, Jason's got his tongue firmly in cheek about uh, <laughs> the best game ever. Well, he, I'm sure he, that's his opinion. He, he, I know he really does like the Palladium system, um, but when he's saying things like, as we all know, he's, he's joking around. Jason likes to stir the pot. He's a pot stirrer, which I like. One of the one of the many things I like about Jason is he's got a a good sense of humor, something uh, that's lacking in far too many people. <laughs> but uh, you know, I was always under kind of, kind of under the impression that the Palladium game system was more or less just D and D with the numbers filed off. So I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to find an old copy of Palladium Fantasy and check it out because that sounds very interesting. The only Palladium game I ever owned was Beyond the Supernatural, which did look like a really cool game. I never did get it to the table. I remember buying some kind of uh, adventure pack uh, with that too, which was the really fun thing I thought about that was they had almost like a National Enquirer kind of newspaper uh, with it, with all these kind of supernatural stories and headlines and kooky things and uh, as like a player handout or something. And I thought that was an outstanding idea. Um, the But really where I was thinking more or where I was inspired by the idea of uh, having the uh, attack rolls lower and so you'd be having having fewer empty exchanges and armor absorbing damage was my old Arcanum system from Bard Games, uh, which is something that um, it seems like it would have quite a few warts. And uh, I've never really uh, played it extensively to find out if it plays well as written. Uh, I, I have a hunch that it would be something I'd have to... Um, tinker with quite a bit to make it work well but the biggest problem is there's as far as i know there's no just like pdf out there and finding hard copies of it is uh, 
on the used market is pretty difficult and expensive. And I, I would prefer running game systems that my players could have access to. And I don't really want to sit and uh, photocopy this thing or scan it or, oh, heaven forbid, type it out. I went through that with Thieves Guild, and I don't want to do that again. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thanks for uh, all the calls, Jason. I appreciate it. And one last segment here before we go. Uh, I'm so bummed that uh, so many of my Thundar uh, bumpers have disappeared. Now I'm going to have to go and record them all again. Oh well, that's how it goes. But I just want to make one uh, disclaimer here before OSR October starts. And it's that I by no means consider myself some expert on the OSR. I was at Johnny Come Lately. Um, I I think Keith was the first person that kind of introduced me to the even in the movement or anything. I, I I was not aware of it at all, and it's mainly because I am such a tech idiot, and um, I don't consider myself some kind of luddite or something. I'm I'm not like against technology, but I don't keep up with it at all. And if it's at all a hassle, I tend to just put it off and put it off until I pretty much have to do it. So I I didn't even have the capability to be online for so long other than just going to the library or utilizing a computer at work. And uh, so I was totally unaware of like game blogs and stuff. So when the, the OSR was first coming around, well, I, first of all, I wasn't—I don't think I was even gaming then. It was the tail end of my long hiatus uh, away from gaming. And Keith, again, thanks, Keith. He's the one that kind of reeled me back in to, to playing again. Um, so, I, I mean, I while I retroactively have kind of learned about some of the things, I am not some kind of OSR scholar. I'm not a huge buyer of game product either, so if I list my favorite OSR adventures and stuff, it's probably going to be painfully lacking to to those of you who are much more plugged into the scene or who um, uh, who who buy and run a lot of adventures and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, take all the the blabber. I well, you you all know this by now. It is I'm I am a dumbass and I'm. <laughs> I'm just blabbering, so none of it should be taken all that seriously. But know that I realize that I am pretty ignorant about a lot of this stuff, and I'm I'm not a big blog reader or anything, so I have, I'm sure, gaping huge blind spots. But the, the OSR itself is just so huge. There's so much content that's posted online, there's like over, there's almost 10,000 products if you use OSR as a, uh, as a category in RPG. If you just search in the OSR file, I think it's nearly 10,000 titles that come up. How could anyone be familiar with all of that? Not to mention all the podcasts, all the blogs, uh, 
all the YouTube channels, which is why it is so dumb when when some when someone um, goes goes off saying the OSR is dead or the or the OSR is dying or whatever. I mean, all I have to do is point to the latest OSE Kickstarter that raised like what was it, half a million, three quarters of a million dollars. Mic drop. It's not dead. It's not going anywhere. You might as well say the Beatles are dead, or Elvis is dead, or uh, Homer. No one reads Homer anymore. No one, <laughs> no one reads Shakespeare anymore. No one reads the Bible anymore. Uh, you know, not <laughs> not trying to put like T and D in the same uh, scope as uh, as some of those things, but in many ways, it was a work of genius. Uh, because it did inspire so much creativity um, among so many people. So to say these things are going to die is just kind of using these kind of tribalistic straw man arguments that crop up so much in politics too, where it's almost like wishful thinking. You dislike something, so you want it to go away, so you find reasons why to predict its demise. Uh, people on both ends of the political spectrum do that or on any kind of divisive topic. And um, I wish people would just kind of, uh, especially with with things like games, <laughs> which, which shouldn't really create these huge rifts and disagreements and stuff, you should be able to just say live and let live with things like games and leisure activities and hobbies. I, I'd hope that the model train enthusiasts don't hate the the military model makers or the automobile model makers. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's just kind of, it would be kind of dumb, wouldn't it? Or that, uh, I don't know, I just don't get it. Just relax, enjoy your hobby, and uh, let other people enjoy their hobbies. And I think uh, everyone's collective blood pressure would go down. And approach it with good nature, uh, humor, and uh, gratitude, and tolerance, and we'll all be better off. So that's my closing thoughts. And who knows if I'll even be able to, will it be my farewell thing? Uh, thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to find, I can't even remember what it is now. Ookla, Ariel, ride. Until I talk to you again, it'll be OSR October. And don't go down in a heap. Time to go.